So I uh, took Beckett to the movie theater uh, last week to see um, Beckett, my oldest kid, to see Sonic Two. Which mm-hmm. um, I'm assuming I wasn't. I was assuming you didn't mean like Samuel Beckett, the the playwright who is I'm sure dead. Or well, uh, we kept waiting for Godot to show up, <laughs> and he never came. Gal Godot. <laughs> uh, uh, dude, you can't make jokes like that after watching death death on the nile <laughs> you just can't yeah um but uh he wanted to look at the posters and there's the one for the um new uh a24 uh horror movie by alex garland called men oh yeah yeah with he that says, creepy uh creepy face on it with uh creepy roy kinnear mm-hmm. and he's like that one looks scary I'm like, <laughs> i think it is buddy <laughs> Uh, and he's just, uh, he was just like, uh, he wants to see Dr. Strange. He wants to see all these other movies and he just, and there's of course Jurassic world, the new one and all these movies he can't see cause he's five and I'm a good parent. Yeah. Well, you can take him to see the bad guys. That looks, uh, I think we're going to go see that in a couple of weeks. Actually. That looks like it might, I mean, it's, it's, um, Seems to be doing all right. The kids seem to like it. Yeah, I, the books are good. The books are good. Are they? Yeah, I've read. I think I've read at least one or two of the books, uh, and uh, I like them. And they have the first six minutes of the movie on YouTube. Oh, and I watched that. And uh, is that a thing? Is that like an official thing, or did somebody like put it up there? No, it's an official thing. It's because they they usually do that, so you'll want to watch the other. 120 oh sure gotcha the so other extended teaser yeah so you'll watch the other hour and 24 minutes of the movie mm. um and it's sort of like this uh little heist flick it, it's kind of a lot of fun so huh cool it seems like uh I, I i really i'll probably hold off on that one until i can see it streaming somewhere well you're welcome to go with me and beckett when we go see it if i, I mean your our I boy Marin plays a prominent role yeah i know yeah <laughs> yeah, he was all about the, I'm in a number one movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it will never happen. <laughs> well, wasn't Joker I mean, number one? I don't know. I'm Joker pretty sure Joker was money. number one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's obviously because of him. Oh, of, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, be for any other reason. I mean, I didn't want to see that movie until. I knew Mary wasn't it. <laughs> I, I finally just saw that movie like over, over COVID at some point. Um, like when we were locked down, I was like, I was finally like, I guess I'll watch Joker. <laughs> and you know what? That was kind of how I felt about it afterwards. I was like, eh, it's been done. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's been, it's a Scorsese movie. Right. Done by the guy who did the hangover. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it 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 is just how it sounds. Yeah, it's, it's just as you expect. It's 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 the king of comedy done by the guy who did the Hangover with people with you know with, with DC people. Yeah, I I like Joaquin's. I like the acting in it, but I it's fine. Yeah, I mean he's I, done better. He's done better movies. He has. Well, I mean, and that that film really only kind of succeeds because of him. I think mm-hmm. um, in in whatever way it succeeds, it succeeds because of him. Because any. Any lesser actor would have just been, it would have been a, a whole, you know, big bowl of mediocrity. Yeah, it would have. 
Uh, anyway, I don't know why people celebrate that? But this is Mental Platypus. I'm Jared. I'm Jason, and this is living proof that collaborations don't work. Collab- <laughs> collaborations don't work. Okay. Yeah. So if uh, you can follow us on okay. Mental underscore Platypus. That's right. Uh, as Jared's new uh, outlet. Where I'm currently retweeting uh, all the uh, outrage posts of um, the, the whole terrible uh, Supreme Court decision. Uh, it's not a decision yet, but it's... It's fucked up shit. Yeah. I just, you know, I... I'm not going to get political. Just, no, that's, like, that's blanket not. statement, I don't think that there should be a lawful body that tells people what they can do with theirs. Exactly. I That's know. it. You and I are in perfect agreement. Uh, but on that note, you can find my co-host here, Jason, at Jason E. Kyle, K-E-I-L, on Instagram and Twitter. Yep. And uh, I also write the weekly concerts column for Phoenix Magazine and uh, also run their events. So yeah. if, you want, if you live in Phoenix and you want something to do, I'm your guy. <laughs> yeah. Cool beans. If you want to hear more of us, we actually got two bonus episodes up last month, and we're going to continue that trend this month. It's uh, patreon.com slash hoot and waddle, and um, you can, for five bucks a month, you could get another uh, roughly, uh, you know, anywhere between 90 minutes to two hours of us uh, a month. Yeah. So. Plabus after dark. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, don't 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 go like creepy stalker film vibe. Go, um, I don't know, late night DJ vibe, platypus after dark. Yeah, we go, used to have that. <clears> go a little a little smoky. This is platypus after dark. There was a guy in Detroit. I'm your DJ, mix master, something. <laughs> oh no! So in Detroit, when I when I grew up in Detroit, there was a radio station that had that dude like that. That, that dude with the voice his name was Alan Almond and he would start each show playing Songbird by Kennedy going <laughs> hello Detroit for some reason uh, and I, he played nothing but Michael Bolton and like lo- and like love songs adult contemporary love songs and it'd just be but he every show would start out with Songbird by Kennedy and it's just the, the, classic, the best and worst way of start a show like that the, the classic DJ voice in my head for some reason is always gonna be the golden throated Shadow Stevens yeah or Rick D's mm. can't go wrong with Rick anyhow yeah we're here to finally wrap up our Frank talk Frank talk it's it's going over. on a, going on a high note too oh yeah going out on I would I would say this is I mean I don't know we'll save it for rankings but I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna wager this is the 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 best of the of the bunch there's no doubt yeah yeah no, it's, it's we'll talk about one. As the rest the, of it, we can kind of, you know, we might vary on the, slightly, but... As they say on better produced and more focused podcasts than ours, <laughs> what the, what we'll, the hell you we'll save about? that for later. <laughs> we'll get to it later. What, what the hell are you talking about? I don't, that doesn't... That, we're, we're super tight and professional. <laughs> no, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> uh, the people who listen to this show only listen because they love us. Endearingly messy? Yeah. <laughs> We're ridiculous. Anyway. Anyhow. Yes. Out of sight. The uh, 1998 classic Steven Soderbergh joint written by Scott Frank starring George Clooney. Don Cheadle. Ving Rhames. Steve Zahn. 
Jennifer Lopez. Uh, White Boy Bob. <laughs> Albert Brooks. Oh, man. We're going to get to it, but how fucking great is Albert Brooks in this movie? Oh, my God, dude. The way he wears a rug. The, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the, the piece and then also the, like the bald piece mm-hmm. and the, like the, the, the dental thing that he's got going on. So he has a lisp. And, yep. Yeah. Can I tell you how cool this movie is? It's just, I mean, it was cool enough to bring Nancy Allen out of retirement. Nancy Allen, too. That's right. Yep. Yeah. For, who shines in that very brief role. Yes. She does. Absolutely. And then she was never came back. Yeah. What happened to Nancy Allen? God. <sighs> I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I'd like to know. We, we know what happened to White Boy Bob. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> we do. But again, we'll save that for later. So Gotta where do you want to start with stairs. this? That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So where do you want to start with this, bud? Well, okay. So let's start with it came out June 28th, 1998. Mm-hmm. It debuted at number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, the top five surrounding that, uh, you've got two Eddie Murphy joints up at the top. You've got, you want to guess what they are? I'm trying to think, 1998. So it'd be uh, Pluto Nash hadn't come out yet. Uh, probably The Clumps, Night Professor Dose. Okay, so I'll, 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 I'll put you Dr. Doolittle for sure. Okay, Dr. Doolittle's number one. Yep. Number two is Mulan. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a, it tracks. Yeah. Uh, then, oh, I just like they've been number four. That's right. Okay, so The X-Files was number three. And The Truman Show is hanging in there at number five. Wow. Having already done Boku Bucks. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I mean, I looked at the, at the box office in general for that weekend. There's some, it's not great. It was not a great weekend for, for film. You've got uh, just outside of the top five, you've got Six Days, Seven Nights. <laughs> uh, a Perfect Murder, which I believe was a remake of Dial M for Murder. Yes, with, uh, with uh, Michael Douglas and. Gwyneth uh, 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 um, Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. 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 With uh, Goop. Goop herself. Vigo, Vigo Mortensen. Yeah. Uh, you've also got Hope Floats, Can't Hardly Wait, The Horse Whisperer, that rounds out the top 10. Yeah. You've got uh, Deep Impact, Godzilla, um, Gone with the Wind, Yeah, the re-release, which I thought was astounding. It, it was re-released on 214 theaters and did uh, like 1.2 million mm-hmm. uh, with like, so like a per theater average of uh, over... Uh, 5500 bucks. So if you look at that, um, it, it's, that's pretty astounding um, to, th- to think that uh, it had to be what, like the 60th anniversary or something like it that? It was. So, um, so if I may offer some background yeah, to, to where I was personally with this movie, and and Titanic was just below that, by the way, yeah. still still almost at six hundred million dollars at that point. So at this point, I had moved to a small town in Wisconsin called Janesville. Mm, never heard of it. Um, home of uh, former Senate, uh, former House Speaker uh, Paul Ryan, uh, apparently <laughs> lived down the street from me. Uh, but uh, I had. Um, you mean you had the opportunity to take care of that shit and. You- if only you knew. Dude, I was too busy wallowing in the fact that I lived in a 
Podunk town in oh in Wisconsin in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, so I worked at a movie theater there. Uh, I there were three theaters in town. Not one of them played offset, but two of them played Gone with the Wind. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's where that's that's playing. Yeah. Um, two theaters in your little town. Playing? Three theaters. Okay, three theaters in your little town, and two of them were playing Gone with the Wind. Yep. Out of the 214 nationwide. Yeah. And let me tell you when a bit, like, 1988 was freaking abysmal. 98. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember Godzilla coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody going to see it. And I actually watched it. Uh, I'm surprised a, Godzilla made as much as it did. It at this point it, has done 132 million. Um, because I watched it on Netflix, just kind of like on the background. Mm-hmm. That movie sucks. It's terrible. It's really, really bad. Yeah. It's it's quite awful. Like I I remember reading like reading something about like someone telling Roland, like Spielberg telling Roland Emmerich mm-hmm. do not make this movie. Mm. And Roland Emmerich said, "Well, there's a payday here. <laughs> like, and I get to blow, and I get to keep with my brand of blowing shit up. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, Titanic was still like in the theaters, like it was still. And I remember Wang Singer was there like forever. Uh, it was like playing at the movie theater till at least June, and it came out in February. Gotcha. <laughs> um." I remember the. What else do I remember about 1998? I remember that was the year Blade came out, so like it didn't totally suck. Mm-hmm. But also the Avengers came out, and I'm not talking about your superhero movie. I'm talking about Ray Fiennes and Uma Thurman. Uh, but <laughs> I just remember 98 being terribly, terribly bad for both movie wise and personally. But if I had. What redeemed it is is the fact that I remember me and my dad driving uh, 20 miles south to Beloit, hmm. and which is an even more podunk town than the one I was living in. But they were playing out of sight, and we caught it. And I just thought, not only did A, it make me homesick, mm. Because half of the movie takes place in Detroit. Yeah. But I'm going, God, this movie is so fucking cool. It is. And it still is. It's still so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just throwing out a couple of like other notable first week releases and very, very limited release. You had Smoke Signals, the Sherman Alexi film. Oh, yeah. And Buffalo 66. <laughs> That's the, actually a really good the, one. I've been Vincent, wanting to revisit Vincent, that one. Vincent Gallo, right? Yeah, I've been wanting to revisit that one again because I remember being rather enamored with that movie in the back of the well, day. Well, I mean, that was that was kind of a, a, a very different... Uh, that was when Christina Ricci started doing some very different things. I remember the video store like in the town. I actually had a pretty good art. Like, actually had a pretty good selection. Oh, yeah? Art House Films? Art House Film thing, and... Like, I would rent, like, these obscure movies that I read about Entertainment Weekly. So I watched, like, Buffalo 66 and mm-hmm. uh, Doom Generation and Bent and, like, uh, and Velvet Goldmine and just thought they were just the shit. Uh, yeah. Velvet, I mean, Velvet Goldmine is the shit. It's been a while since I've watched 
Paul Fox says he's sick. So I'd be interested in watching that one again, even though Vincent Gallo is by all accounts a dick. Yes, that's what I've heard as well, that he's just not not a good person. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it was interesting that this was you know, the follow-up um, for Soderbergh. It was off the back of Grey's Anatomy and Schizopolis. <laughs> like. I, I think his that's such an odd bird too. That I remember watching that Schizopolis. Schizopolis is, is fucking great. Oh yeah, it's, it's it's fantastic. I love that film. It's really good. I've been meaning to watch that one again. And so. also like one of the few that has Soderbergh himself in like a leading role. Well, Soderbergh's in the so in the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. that Soderbergh in the bank talking to the bank manager, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he's not credited as Soderbergh. He's just well, I, he, he he does play. I mean, there's this whole scene in there where he's just like is in the bathroom making faces at himself in the mirror. Oh, and Sisopolis, yes, <laughs> yeah, but he's in out of sight. Too. Oh, he's in out of sight. Yeah. Um, well, he's not the guy talking to the bank manager. Oh, I he don't isn't. Think. No, okay. they talk about that. Uh, they talk about who it is in the. In the but it's the same guy from well, Schizopolis. He, he is from Schizopolis, yeah. He's the and, doppelganger. And and the um, the thing that I think is funny is is in the commentary, which I listened to last night, I, I, I told you I watched the film with commentary and then again without it. Um, and I've watched it with the commentary before, but there's, there's so much great stuff in the commentary. <laughs> But one of the recurring things in it is Soderbergh saying, well, and that person's from Schizopolis, which, uh, of course, you've all seen. And <laughs> he says, oh, and they were also in Schizopolis, which, again, you've all seen. <laughs> I was looking that up. I was looking up the stats in it. Like, that thing barely made, like, it, half a mil. Yeah, like, nobody saw that film when it yeah. came out. I um, remember never hearing... I honestly had never heard of it mm. until IFC came along. And I think I saw it like after like sober kind of entered my got into my brain after I saw outside. Mm-hmm. So I started devouring, um, underneath sexualized videotape and schizopolis was on like IFC. And then I think Grey's Anatomy. I, I, I never distinctly remember watching all the Spalding Grey's. Oh yeah. Ones on IFC at some point. Um, I, Honestly, I, I still think that um, that Sex, Lies, and Videotape might be the best the best Soderbergh film. I think his first film might have been his best. I mean, not that you disagree. You think this is a better film than... Really? Hmm. I think that has... You're to, also overlooking Traffic? Yes, I am. I, 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 I'm well aware of Soderbergh's oeuvre. I think he's a I I he's actually probably one of my favorite filmmakers. He's up there with the Coens and you know and Paul Thomas Anderson and Wes Anderson. He's he's up there in my top 5 for sure. And and Out of Sight I think is a pretty much near perfect film if not perfect. Have you watched King of the Hill? Yes. Oh, great film. Yeah. yeah. Love that movie. That might be I mean, Out of Sight's probably I Kristen came in and watched like the last, last the half an hour of this movie with mm-hmm. me last night when I watched it. And but I was thinking about like and I was raving about it, like going, "This is the best thing Jennifer Lopez has ever done." Period. Yeah. Uh, of course, I I haven't seen Selena. 
but I think I can safely assume that this it's is, not as good as this. Yes, I can say. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm safe in saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking like I just love this movie. Period. It's just one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah, um, and it's just one of the best movies in my mind. Period. Because of what he accomplishes, um, both um, with look and sound, like the way it looks, the way it sounds, and the way it's cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would see it even taken to a further degree in the limey. Right. The way he messes with time and how he uses editing as like a way to mess with time. Um, so that's why I like this movie because it's so well edited because you never, it's not like you're jumping from place to place and well, it never, you never, you know exactly where you're at. Of course, look, looking at who edited this film though, it, it was Andy Coates who, who was nominated for best film editing for Lawrence of Arabia, Beckett, The Elephant Man, In the Line of Fire, and this movie. Out of Sight. Yeah. Yeah. And she should have freaking won. Like, seriously, it's like the best. Yeah. I, I think it's one of the best edited movies, period. Yeah, it is. It's, it is phenomenally edited. God damn. She edited a lot of stuff. A lot of good stuff, too. Yeah. She was editing. Wow. That's that kind of sucks. Her last her last film that she edited was Fifty Shades of Grey, and then she died three years later. <laughs> That's kind of sad. You have you seen it? I've not seen it. For all you know, it could be the best movie ever. I mean, maybe. Well, in her film prior to that was Extraordinary Measures. <laughs> the uh, the. Uh, is it the Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford Brendan Fraser medical drama thing? Yeah. yeah. Again, for all you know, have you seen it? No, not okay. seen it. Just, for all you know, it's, it's not a good film. For all you know, it could be the best Harrison Ford movie ever. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, sure. it could just yep. him in a lab coat could just edge out. If radius. you've never seen a Star Wars, <laughs> um, <laughs> if you've never seen a Star Wars or a, or. A, Indiana Jones. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. We named the dog Indiana. Oh God. Anyway, you were you saying- were named after the dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do Salah. You don't do Salah. You don't do Salah. You don't do don't do John. I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's it's in poor taste, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't do Salah, dude. Anyhow, I, I, th- I think it's interesting to place this in Soderbergh's career, though, because leading up to this, his films are Sex Lies, Kafka, King of the Hill, The Underneath, Schizopolis, and Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. Um, Out of Sight is his first major film, like major, like, as, like wide release film, for sure. Yeah, and he, he even says, like, I wasn't going to take this, but I need to get it to the other side. It was going to be Sonnenfeld. Sonnenfeld was set to direct it. And they looked at uh, a few other ones, too. Like, he didn't want to do it. He was hesitant. And it took the head of... I had read... It took Sean Daniels, like who was like the head of Universal, who helped him with King of the Hill. I mm-hmm. uh, said, you're a fucking idiot if you don't do this movie. Well, I mean, because... I know those were his exact words, but it was 
pretty close. Yeah, I mean, it basically it affords him because the run after that, there's the Limey, which is another indie. Mm-hmm. But after that, it's Aaron Brockovich, Traffic, Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, those. I mean, those those three films basically paved the way for him to make whatever the fuck he wanted for the rest of his career. Oh, and you know what movie he was going? He might have done instead. Hmm. He is, is. I think it's between this. And Human Nature, which was a Kaufman script before. Oh, I remember that movie. Yeah, which I, I, I'll be perfectly honest, I haven't seen it, but it's a Kaufman movie. It was came out, I think. It was after. It was the follow up to um, Being John Malkovich. But he wrote it. But I think he wrote it before it came out. Okay. So like, no one knew like what. I remember it not being terribly well received. Yeah, like I like no one. It turning faded into obscurity because mm-hmm. it got overshadowed by Malkovich, right? And no one wanted to see Tim Robbins and Patricia Arquette act like monkeys with re-siphons. Yeah, right. Um, but I think it was a it became a Michael or a Michelle Gondry joint, but which I mean that turned out okay mm-hmm. for him too because then he got to do Eternal, Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's just. Um, it's pretty incredible like that that I mean it's pretty much his entry into that that run afterwards because those those three films one right after the other are are you know some of the biggest films of yeah. all time. And they're actually I mean they're actually good. I haven't seen Aaron Brockovich in a long time. Yeah. Um but I mean I remember it being very much a phenomenon and doing very well as did Traffic as you know and Ocean's 11 was just like it was, you know, to be able to essentially pull off a successful remake of something that was very much of its time, um, the original for sure, and to pull it, it, he pulled it off. It became, you know, it was like, it was a very cool fucking film. Yeah, I mean, almost as cool as this movie. Yes, almost, almost. But, but that group of guys that that, you know, Clooney and Pitt and Cheadle. Um, and you know, even like Elliot Gould and <laughs> yeah, it's it, it you know anyway yes it 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 essentially began paving the way for him to then also you know go back and do things like um you know unfortunately his next thing after that was Full Frontal which uh, nobody remembers fondly I, I don't remember hating it. Uh, and then his remake of Solaris. Which um, I don't like. That's I don't his, think I've seen that one. You're not missing. I mean, when your choice is the under two hour remake version and the three hour Russian version, mm-hmm. you want to pick the three hour Russian version. Got, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Good German, I don't, uh, I, I don't, uh, recall not hating but i don't recall loving i haven't seen it in a long time but then you know then it's it's he gets to make he he makes his ocean sequels he makes che parts one and two and then you know then he's kind of like up and down it's it's again he he pretty much just gets to fund whatever the hell he wants mm-hmm. and you can do it because he's and he almost makes he almost makes a movie a year there's like a break between side effects and logan lucky oh because he retired yeah, I remember. Yeah. He was not going to do... I, re- I remember that very well, him saying that he wasn't going to do films anymore. Um, and then the iPhone 7 came along. And then he was like... I to make movies on his iPhone 7. Yeah. But yeah, basically he's like, you know what? I can actually 
make whatever I want now for even less. <laughs> yeah. And Amazon will release it. Yeah, pretty much. Amazon or, or, or HBO Max. Uh, and his last three have been for HBO Max. Yeah. Um, and he's I think basically, they... he's gotten... So High Flying Bird and The Laundromat were Netflix, neither of which I've seen. Uh, Laundromat's not good. Not good? I didn't even... Is that, is that one with Meryl? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, I, and I'll be perfectly honest, I never heard of High Flying Bird until last night. Really? Yeah. Um, he and then his HBO Max are let them all talk, um, which I hear is good. I haven't seen that one. That's another Meryl Streep one, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so I need to watch that. No sudden move, which I liked a lot. I love that movie. Yeah, I I thought it was great. Um, and Kimmy, which I actually also thought was really good. I haven't watched that one yet. I I think that one's cool. It it's it's a it'll it just kind of like flies by. Yeah, it's super. You know, like when it when it was over, I was like, wow, that was. My my hesitancy with that one is it's uh, it's the preview show as a you know like a circle type thriller where you know technology is taking over blah blah blah. Uh, but now but I mean it's Soberberg so I'm like going it's going to be different. But the marketing plan behind it was like you know what I I would actually say that it's kind of akin in a way to the conversation. Okay. Which it's like a modern version of the conversation, pretty much. Which can we, um, since this, since we're going to do the good segue here, mm-hmm. see what I did there. Yes, uh, um, I was thinking about like how out of sight, how influenced by out of sight is by seventy cinema. Oh yeah, absolutely. And in late sixties, and I remember like so. It's very much. I mean, that style of of the way that that film is shot is very much. You can see. Uh, I mean, he's an influence on himself in in that it's it comes back in Ocean's Eleven for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking too. Like, so I guess first we should talk a little bit about the plot for those who haven't watched this. It's available for rent. Um, it's on Peacock, which would be a premium Peacock member. So I mean, or you know, you can easily get a copy of it from somewhere. Yeah. If, I mean, if you're a film nerd and it's not in your library, then you need to have your nerd card revoked. Yeah, that's just it. Yeah. How have you not seen this movie if you're a film nerd? Mm-hmm. But to get, I guess, to get to the point it's of like, the movie where... Are you a fan of good films? I if you can't. are, you should have seen Out of Sight already. Yeah. You have two eyes and a heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, to get to the point so where I'm kind of going with this, so mm-hmm. to bring you up to speed. So for, um, George Clooney, which, by the way, this is a movie that got him out of hell. Oh, yeah, cause, uh, because he was... in. He was kind of in movie jail after Batman, what, Batman Forever, whatever well, the hell it was. He, this is not only got him out of, like, it was his first collaboration with Soderbergh, which right. him to be part of the Cool Kids Club. Mm-hmm. And it got him out of TV. Right. Because I think he had, I don't know if he was still on ER, but he was, he was making, he was finally making the leap out. Mm-hmm. And, um, so he plays, uh, Jack Foley, who's a bank robber. And he is escaping from a Florida jail with his uh, friend, uh, played by Ving Rhames. Mm-hmm. And just so happens that Farrell Marshall, played by Jennifer Lopez, in The Best Thing She's Ever Done. Right. Um, so they kidnap her and they go in the... Which tr- what she's... Has she like, stopped to have a smoke and make a phone call? She was calling Ray, Nicolette. Yeah. Um, and, or her dad. 
one of the two. And that just so happened to be because she was going to see about the prisoner who felt his civil rights were being violated because he didn't like mac and cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so they didn't have a choice in what he got to eat, which I mean, Mm -hmm. you're a prisoner. Uh, Anyway. Uh, So as they're making their escape, Clooney disguised like a police guard um, escapes through the sewers and gets in the trunk with Lopez. And they have this long conversation and you think, and it's not about, it's about movies. Mm -hmm. And the two that they mention, or there are several that they mention, but the one that they mention specifically that stands out to me is Bonnie and Clyde. Well, they mentioned they mentioned three actually. So they mentioned Bonnie and Clyde, mm-hmm. um, and then he basically. It's interesting because the way Clooney plays it is as like knowing the films, but like misremembering some of them. It takes him a minute to be like, oh, oh, because she calls him like Clyde. He would be making Clyde, Clyde. and yeah. he's like, oh yeah, Clyde, Clyde Barrow, Bonnie, Bonnie and Clyde, um, and then, but then he also has. Um, they talk about network. Yeah, and he gets and he, all the lines wrong. Well, yeah, but he gets apparently that was a, a, what I learned from the commentary was that was a Clooney improv. Yeah, that he misremembers the I'm, I'm mad as hell and and not gonna uh, take game where you shit exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but would you, um, as someone who I know has seen Bonnie and Clyde recently, yes, would you say that a lot of the style of this movie visually is Somewhat kind of taken like from kind of the, Arthur Penn, a little Arthur Pennish. Um, as having seen it recently, I would say no. Okay, I, I would say the visual language is much more akin to something like, uh, like uh, I, you know what? I would say something like Friends of Eddie Coyle or something like that. Okay, um, more of that that like seventies kind of. Uh, that seventies noir. Okay, which I mean, this is this isn't even noirish, is it? Like, it's just it's more of a it's. I mean, it's 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 almost more akin to something like like the Ocean's movies, in that it's kind of a caper. Yeah, um, you would you I, I, more I, like the Hot Rock maybe or something like sure, that. Sure, yeah. Um, and yeah. there's definitely like a. I feel like there's definitely like a seventies. There's a very seventies vibe to, to it. it. Yeah, for sure. Almost. I mean, almost. Uh, almost like a like a fucking Steve McQueen. You know, like a like a. Um, uh, we were just talking about it last week. The remake of it, Thomas Crown Affair. Yeah, yeah. You know, some it has more of. A, I think. The oh stylistically, yeah, it's more akin to that sort of film than yeah. it would be to Bonnie and Clyde. You're 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 right. Except Jewison is such an like. <laughs> His guy is head up so uh, so far up his ass in that movie. Oh with, yeah, oh, yeah. Split screens. Oh yeah. Where <laughs> I think maybe um, I, I'm just thinking of like like the still like the stills. Um, oh, like the yeah the the freeze frames. The and, freeze frames. Yeah. It seems yeah. like a, it's sort of like a French sort of thing and like a little bit a little French nouveau. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think they mentioned um, they mentioned a. I'm trying to think of in the commentary they mentioned like a, they mentioned a William Friedkin film, um, 
And I was like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm trying to... Like where they do a heist? Um, hang on. I'm looking up Friedkin's filmography um, real quick. And then the other movie they mentioned, which this line made me chuckle. Uh, they're talking about Three Days of the Condor. Yes. Um, yeah. And Robert Redford. When he was young. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Which if you've been paying attention on Twitter this week, you'll, you'll realize that everyone... Uh, I have not um, been paying people, much attention anyway, but yeah. It's the three-year cycle where everyone realizes that the, um, that the picture of the scene from Jeremiah Johnson where he shakes his head up and down, uh, it's not Zach Galifianakis. It's... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Robert Redford and Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> yes. Every, every yeah, three yeah. years we go through this where everyone realizes it's not Zach Afganakis. How, how do people make that mistake? They don't look anything alike. I get, I get it. It's, it's Redford with a big beard, but... Oh, To Live and Die in L.A. That's oh, what they were referencing. Which um, is 80s, right? Yeah, 85. But oh. yeah, but uh, Soderbergh mentions that specifically. Okay. Well... So that's interesting. And I haven't seen that film in a long time. Now, I just think that whole conversation kind of sets the tone stylistically for what Soderbergh is trying to do. I mean, obviously, he's not making network. Right. And, but oh, yeah. it does have like this okay. laid back vibe to it. So it's interesting. I mean, let's put Clooney in context for a minute here. So he's yeah. coming off of, let's look at his 90s run. All right. Um, I, he's there's some things that I've never heard of. So something called Unbecoming Age. I it had, <laughs> but it's also called The Magic Bubble, American what? comedy film. It's gonna be like a TV movie or it, something. Maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah, never, never heard of it. The Magic Bubble Unbecoming. or Unbecoming Age. Yeah. Um, and then something called The Harvest. But then he Oh, is that the one where they harvest the organs? I think his brother his cousins in that. Um yeah, it's not, uh, oh, his it's cousin's Miguel Ferrer. Oh yeah, yeah, Okay. I've heard of that movie. It went um, direct to video, I think, but I've heard uh, of that it. makes sense. But okay, so you if you think about him in, in like starring roles though, um, and, and it makes sense because these this is, you know, as he it, it like peak ER fame kind of thing. Um, he's got from dusk till dawn and one fine day in '96. Yeah, something called that I've never heard of called Road to Manhattan. Um, what is that? I, it, well, I, there's not even a link to it. Never heard of it. Um, then Batman and Robin and the Peacemaker the are '97. Um, he has a cameo in the Thin Red Line, and then it's out of sight. Okay, um, which it's probably a cameo, but you probably thought it was going to be big because it's a. Uh, um uh, it's Malik's first yeah. production, and that's how Adrian Brody like had like a bit part, and he became right. the star of the movie by yeah. the time it was over. Right. Um, then he does a, sh- a short film, well, Out of Sight and Thin Red Line were both ninety eight, mm-hmm. um, and then he does some short film that he directed called Waiting for Woody, um, which I've never heard of. That's you. Um, Huh, interesting. But that movie, like, out of sight, it's the one... Oh, he plays himself in it in Waiting oh. for Woody. 
Grant Heslov was the... But yeah, so Out of Sight is the one that breaks him out of it because then um, there's Three Kings. Yep. Um, <laughs> he plays Dr. Horatio Ghosh in South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then like The Perfect Storm, Oh Brother, We're Out There, Ocean's Eleven, um, Spy Kids, uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, um, which he also produced, I believe. And directed. Uh he didn't star in it. Oh, no, he did briefly. Forgot he's the he's the agent. Yeah. Um, God, I've watched that movie in a long time either. It's pretty. It's it, it. But you're right. I mean, his his like leading manness, pretty much. I, I mean, he he was definitely. If you look at Batman and Robin and the Peacemaker, no nobody remembers those fondly really no it's not great it's like out of sight that kind of makes him cool again yeah and then he gets to do cool again yeah i mean the guy was like in like the square show on tv every thursday night <laughs> i mean my parents watched that show and, and don't get me wrong well, the I mean, quality of er is amazing er was a phenomenon though yeah. it was one of i mean it was basically the gray's anatomy of its day yeah and i think actually gray's anatomy has been at longer now yes yeah. yes i i it's gray's I anatomy mean, you know, is, as I, you watch it every week i have never watched a single episode of that show but um it's it's basically now like the live action simpsons and I, I i think they'll just keep making them forever you you know what's up with Meredith. You know what you're. You know what's going on. I, I, have, I have I I have no idea. I can't even play along. I don't know characters' names. I know nothing. Uh, um, you know what? I don't know either. I barely know that. All I know is like who 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 created it and who's plays that Sandra O oh was in it, and the gal from the old school is the main character. Mm. Uh, so. It's, but to to get back to the plot, and they they jump back and forth a bit. But the the whole, the crux of the I mean, the crux of the film is that there is that basically while they were all in prison together, the Steve Zahn character, who Steve Zahn's fucking great in this. Oh my god, yeah, he's so good. Um, and I love that 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 whole line about if he wears his fucking sunglasses, I'm gonna stomp on them, and I might not take them off his face first. <laughs> uh, and. So he, you know, he basically marks um, the, what was his name? Like Dick uh, Ripper or something like that? The, uh, Ripley. the Albert. Uh, Al- Ripley. Yeah, Ripley. Richard Ripley. Richard Ripley. But, but um, they call him Dick Ripley at some point. They call point. him Dick Ripley. And um, Don Gill's character calls him Rip Rip. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so they've, they've picked him as a mark. Um, and... I mean, ultimately, the idea is that they're going to to rob Albert Albert Brooks um, from his five million dollars in uncut diamonds. And- right. Yes. Yeah. It's the original uncut gems. Yeah. <laughs> no Kevin Garnett though. No, no Kevin Garnett. Seriously, lacking some Garnett. <laughs> the only thing that might have improved the film would be a little a little Garnett. Anything's possible. A little Garnett garnish. <laughs> but. Yeah, and it, it's it's interestingly structured because there are there are dream sequences. You've got Jennifer Lopez's dream sequence, the one of the hottest scenes of all time with the yeah. two of them in the tub. It's yeah, um, and then you know only to be matched later by the scene of them in the hotel room, which apparently was influenced by "Don't Look Now." 
Mm. Yes. Yeah, which yeah. I'm sure you know because you were in the comment. Because I was listening to the commentary. Yeah. Which is, which is an odd sex scene to pick out because that's the one apparently where Julie Christie and Donald Sutherland actually did it. Oh wow! I did not know that was a thing. Yeah, that's the rumor is is that that is that was them really having sex in that movie. Huh. Wow. And Nicholas Rogue good was, for them. Nicholas Rogue was about it. I'm sure Warren Beatty was rather pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. But, you know, he was pissed. You know, like his spidey sense was tingling while he was having an affair with somebody else, I'm yeah. sure. He's like, wait, <laughs> wait, somebody else is diddling my lady. <laughs> I'll just keep going. I'll get upset about it later. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I, I'm sure Goldie Hawn was like, why are you calling Julie's name? <laughs> <laughs> no reason. <laughs> no reason. Just don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, the so but you want to be in a movie? <laughs> the 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 flashbacks were not part of uh, of the screenplay that Soderbergh originally got. Apparently, okay. apparently, well, according to Frank, he said the script, the flashbacks were part of a different version, but that the the version that Soderbergh first saw the the, the flashbacks were not in, and then it was an idea of Soderbergh's to bring. Uh, to use flashbacks and to use them earlier in the film. Um, and Frank was like, well, here, you know, there's this other draft that has those in there. Okay. I was wondering about that. And I guess uh, I'm glad that you listened to the commentary because I was wondering the Soberg scene, the, the, the flashback seemed like such a Soberg thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like anything that Frank has done in any of the movies you've watched at this point. Uh, well, Dead Again has flashbacks. Well, yeah, but that's like... The way that they're used is not the same for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, all movies have flashbacks, dude. A lot like, of movies do. Not yeah. all of them, but a lot of them use it. But they're, I mean, they're used to great effect here. Uh, and then also, it's interesting to see, you know, the first scene is essentially a flashback with Clooney, like, you know being thrown out of the building uh-huh. and then going and robbing the bank, which gets him put back in prison. Yeah. But which we then, don't see him get thrown out. We just see him throwing a tie. Yeah. Yeah. He's like pissed. Yeah. And at that point you don't even know. It's like, what did he just like get denied for some kind of loan or something? Like what, what yeah. happened? Like what, what happened? And, but then of course we learn, we learn later that, you know, he's basically made himself, uh, you know, Dick Ripley's protector in prison Mm-hmm. And gets told that he's going to get taken care of when he when he gets out, and then Albert Brooks is is like, you can be a security guard, yeah. basically. Like you can be a security guard now and try not to rob me. And yeah, maybe and we'll I'll... see. Yeah, exactly. And he's such a motherfucker. I mean, but he's so good at it. Yeah, it's like uh, I wasn't sure if you're going to take this off. You know. If I hear you about this, but I knew if you did, you'd throw it back in my face. Yeah. 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 It's basically, he's like, look, you know, I'm still a rich guy and you're still nothing. <laughs> yeah. So prove, like, basically he's like, prove to me that I'm wrong. And then he's, then he's like, no, you're proving I'm exactly right. Get him out of here. And then, yeah. <laughs> then he, you see that it's, that he's. Well, you promise you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, just. So, so well done the way that it, because you don't know what has led up to that moment at the at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, and then at that point you're like you're rooting for them to rob him. Yeah, but I, 
I know. And again, this is like the, this is the beginning of cool Albert Brooks. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Because otherwise I, otherwise it's also, you, it's also sort of Albert Brooks does not show up in a lot of other people's movies. No. And you realize that like up until probably this point, the only thing that people know him from are his own movies. For the most part, except for broadcast news, yeah, which, is which is James the, Brooks. Yeah, which is the lovelorn sway schlub. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean, and that's what he's played in his own films. He's yeah. he still has essentially I mean he he was not in, with as much flop sweat. No. I, oh, <laughs> oh, sweating through the suit jacket and everything. Oh my God. Such a good scene. Man, broadcast news that's that's one of my one of my all-time favorite films. Everybody in that movie is so fucking good. He realized Brooks has never topped that movie. No, no. Basically, he ramped up because yeah, Terms of Endearment is great. Yep. And then he does Broadcast News, and that's his best film. Yep. And then he kind of got like he won all the awards for as good as it gets, simply because like well, we realized we screw- we realized we fucked up with Broadcast News. Broadcast News should have gotten that stuff, but I mean, to be fair to as good as it gets. And it's and it's his last good film. It is a good film, and it's on the backs of the performances in there. Yeah, and I, I've mentioned this before. I will stand for Spanglish, but I know you won't. I, you know, I just I saw it when it came out, and I don't, uh, I don't remember loving it. That might be it. It might be that that's colored because of uh, that was a, a, a kind of like weird date scenario. Uh, um, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. I mean, so, but um, anyway, uh, well, so you know what? It's just it just ends up being that essentially when he does a film that's not his, it's it's usually pretty great, uh, you know, because Taxi Driver. I mean, yeah, come on, yeah, um, Drive, yeah, Drive, but I yeah, I, I also, um. Yeah, he just. Well, now I'm thinking. Okay, so. What do you make? Like I'll do anything. Not a great film. Yeah. <laughs> the Scout. Not a great film. It wasn't that bad. He's uh, kind of like. It's okay, but he's he's just like this nebbishy, you know, sports scout. So so, I not to like. I didn't realize he was in in critical care. Um. I guess um, the the lost Sidney Lumet film, pretty much. Oh, I remember that movie. Is that Critical Care or Article Ninety Nine? It's Critical Care. Okay. Um, had James Spader, Kira Sedgwick. Well, I, Helen, I, Helen Mirren and Bancroft. So I gotta ask, and this is just a side note. Um, it's we you've um, you've kind of dissed uh, at least two Brendan Fraser movies now. Uh, uh, you know what? I just. I, I, you know, I think he's, for instance, I thought he was, um, that he was incredible in, in, uh, George we of just, the Jungle, The Mummy, <laughs> Looney Tunes Back in Action, <laughs> Monkey Bone, <laughs> uh, no, no, and, and no, and okay. no, uh, but no, he's, he's had some really great, interesting character part turns recently i feel like yeah you know his his role in 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 no sudden move was great yeah um gods and monsters dude gods and monsters good uh i think he's actually really good in that 
that DC show that's on HBO Max, oh, uh, Doom Patrol. Yeah, he's actually he's really good in that too. Um, that guy's been through some shit, dude. Yeah. Um, I I've never had a problem with Brendan Fraser. I I don't have a problem with him. I just yeah. I he was you know he was handsome leading guy in the nineties. Yeah, and then it's. I, 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 obviously, if you read some of the interviews he's done recently, talking about what happened to him, um, yeah, and how it, essentially that it, like, what it did to his psyche for a while, yeah, uh, it's 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 pretty fucked up shit. And, and the fact that he's back now and doing some great work is is, is I mean, yeah, I'm happy, great, yeah. So, anyway, uh, enough about Brandon Fraser. Uh, but uh, um, so where are we going next? I mean, it seems to me like I, there are just some things that I thought were interesting in the commentary. Um, first of all, it sounds like like Soderbergh and Frank loved working together, and they they have a great time talking about the film in that commentary. Yeah, um, have they ever worked? I don't think they ever worked I don't together. Think again. They've worked together since. Uh, it, it didn't look like it, but I thought it was interesting that Sonnenfeld was Sonnenfeld was originally going to do it, and then uh, dropped out. Can you, Im- what, can you imagine? It would not. It, I mean, and, and, you know, we just did Get Shorty. I love, I love Get Shorty. It's great. But when you th- look at the style of filmmaking there, I, like, I, I, th- I think that, that Sonnenfeld could have done, done it from the cinematography standpoint because we've seen what he can do that way. But as far as a director, I, I don't think he has the kind of finesse that was necessary for this. Yeah, I don't. I can't imagine like it would have just been about it would have just been about the escape and the robbery. Right. I mean it's just And then the the, the middle would have just been Yeah. I don't know. It would not have been as cool. And I think Soderbergh is a much better actor's director than than Sonnenfeld is. Yeah, Julia Roberts thinks he's the best. I she's worked with him a ton. Yeah, I mean, and that's and just because like I I'll be in this I'll, I'll go in Ocean's Twelve because I get to do another I'll do this independent movie yeah. because yeah Steven Soderbergh is the director but you know by all accounts people like working with him and listening to him on the commentary I I mean you can really kind of hear why he's just he's a he he just seems like a kind of uh, you know wisecracking Jew film nerd. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's 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 basically it, what's so weird to me all the time is that first of all, visually, Soderbergh and my my uncle are like dead ringers. They they look almost exactly alike. <laughs> it's it's crazy. And but also just like their style of humor and the 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 wit. It's um, it's it's very odd listening to every. I can't listen to that commentary or listen to Soderbergh in interviews without. It it bringing to mind my uncle. It's it's kind of crazy. I think I want to hang out with your uncle. He's a good hang. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's make that happen, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> he lives in uh, uh, not Phoenix, though. I should not give away the locale of my uncle if he's I, I, interested. I I distinctly remember you telling me where he lives, and I not specifically, but I, yeah, the general area. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, it's it's great. It's uh, that's it's he he's uh, he's the, he's the cool uncle. So. Yeah. But it's it, it it so it's it's kind of interesting. But um, and then also, uh, like Soderbergh's, I, you, you've you've got to listen to the commentary on this because his candor about the film mm-hmm. and you know the things that he genuinely where he's where he talks about 
it, the trunk scene, for instance, mm-hmm. how he was dead set about the way he shot that trunk scene initially. And then one of the notes that was that he had to go back and reshoot it, that the, the trunk scene was just way too long. Yep. And then, you know, and the way that it, it is in the film, I can't, I can't imagine it. I mean, the other wor- version would have been less successful. Yeah. Well, uh, one thing I do remember about the commentary, uh, because I, I listened to it, you know, 20 years ago. Sure. Uh, you know, back when it first came out. Whatever. Yeah. Um, was so some of us do research for the <laughs> I'm just giving you shit really it's motherfucker usu- it's this usually is the one you. movie this it's is usually, the one movie where I, you did research I, I just walked it back I'm giving you the credit <laughs> you're usually the one who comes in with the research and I'm usually not prepared to do anything but chat about it yeah so I, I was just honest you know clearly joking Cool you your jets, bro. You <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> Just be cool. Be yeah. cool, bro. Be cool, bro. I'm cool, bro. Real cool. You son of a bitch. Anyway, um, calmer than you are. Enjoy <laughs> <laughs> my coffee. Enjoy my coffee. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, <sighs> um, Excuse me, dear? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so I was, as I was explaining to you during the pregame, mm-hmm. I had listened to the commentary, and the thing that I took away mm-hmm. was, so they filmed this movie the winter before I moved to Wisconsin. Mm. Um, like, Clooney being in town at the State Theater where they'd have the fight, mm-hmm. um, and uh, wasn't made the front page uh, of the paper. And uh, I remember Soderbergh, Saying when they're in the club during the commentary, talking about how Duran Duran was playing at the theater, mm-hmm. and I remember wanting to go to that concert, mm-hmm. and I didn't because uh, I was moving, right? <laughs> um, and it was my, and I didn't have any money. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I kept hung out with Steven Soderbergh, birthday buddies, right? Yeah, because yeah. me and him shared the same birthday. Me, him, and Jason Bateman. Yeah, humble brag. Yeah. It, it, so some other things about this too. Albert Brooks, the 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 Dick Ripley part was actually much smaller in the book. Frank fleshed that out. Yeah. Um, also, um, uh, Frank talks about how you know they talk about Elmore Leonard and um, and Soderbergh brings up you know weren't you a, a, a fan of his for a while and, and Frank is like yeah I was a fan of. Leonard for years before Get Shorty, and he owns up to straight up stealing from him sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think he's been. I think he, I think Frank's been very clear about that. Like I'll just steal pages of dialogue, and and at this point, let's, so let's let's talk a, let's talk a few things because we actually brought it up in the last one about Farina. Um, Farina in this film, fucking legend. Yeah, just great as the dad. Completely different dude than he's been like Absolutely. any other movie. Yeah, um, just like seems like a like a fun guy, you know. Yeah, and. He's a cool dad. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> who, else, who else gives their daughter a gun six for the hour? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, gives, gives them, a, gives, gives them uh, a gun. Yeah. Thank you, dad. <laughs> and the, which also gets us to talk about um, Michael Keaton. Oh, yes. Just coming in with this shirt that says FBI, and Farina says, You ever wear one that says undercover? <laughs> <laughs> And then just like the the way that Keaton perfectly plays the blank look of not getting it 
Yeah. Like he doesn't like he's like no. And <laughs> and the fact that <laughs> JLo is the other gal. Yeah. In the relationship. Yeah, well, and that's when Farina's talking about the story he read about of the like the couple and the mm-hmm. uh, uh, all of that stuff. And again, Keaton's like just not getting that it's that he's talking about him. Yeah. <laughs> Have you did you read the background about how they got Nicolette? They got Keaton to play Nicolette. Well, so they act, uh, they talk about it in the commentary. It's yeah. it's that um, Soderbergh actually approached. Uh, uh, Miramax. Well, he, yeah. approached, he approached Tarantino directly. Yeah. And said, hey, what do you think about us bringing Keaton in to, to play this role again? And I, like Tarantino was, was on board. I guess Tarantino invited Soderbergh over and they like watched movies together and they were talking about how this, how this could work. And, and, and it's one of those like rare instances in film history where the same character is played by the same actor across two directors, like like different yeah. like films, different studios, all that kind of thing, reprising the the role that just happens to. But Miramax. So the thing is too is that Miramax had the rights because um, Rum Punch or Jackie Brown was made first, right? Yeah. So they would have had to pay if Tarantino hadn't stepped in and told Bob and Harvey just let him do it mm-hmm. for free. Yeah. Um, well, oh yeah, that, that was the thing is that Keaton did it for free. He did it for nothing. Well, Keaton now, well, Keaton and Jackson did it for their, their cameos. For yeah, they're people. yeah, yeah. But they will have had to pay for the rights for the Nicolette character, right? Uh, because technically, I guess Miramax owned the rights to it. And mm-hmm. of course, this is all according to Wikipedia. So, I mean, sure. who knows how fucking accurate this is? <laughs> um, but I mean, but Tarantino insisted let let them have the rights to the Nicolette character for free. And let Keen play it. Yeah. So, um, but uh, that's me bringing the research. Uh, that, that, yeah, that you're known for for the uh, to this to this party. Yeah. Uh, what else do you want to talk about with the film? Oh well, we should talk about the scene in Brooks's house. That's where the uh-huh. legendary Nancy Allen is. Um, she's she is fantastic in it. Uh, as as the as the uh, the his girlfriend basically. He's having. She's having an affair with him, um, or he's having an affair with her because she's married. Either way, uh, and <laughs> and and again, like Clooney pointing out like his hypocrisy at every turn. Like, right? Why did you have her answer the door? Yeah. Like we thought it was your husband. I'm like going, like you're a fucking coward, dude. Yeah. 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 Well, and the and the way that Brooks plays that of of like genuinely being concerned, but he is he's cowering in a, I, in, in you know in a hi- hidden room basically. Yeah, I think we need some things we need to bring up here are just how dumb Don Cheadle's crew is <laughs> shooting at the safe. Yeah, shooting at the safe <laughs> yes. to the point like like we're gonna bust out the handles with this gun and to the point where Nancy Allen has to go. Here's the combination. Yeah, yeah, because she's <laughs> she's. She's, you know, going to get, you know, ricochet, uh, you know, die by ricochet, basically, if they keep shooting at the safe. Yeah. And. And uh, they're his wigs, by the way. Yeah. And they're his wigs. His wigs are in the safe. And and as we've touched on at the beginning, white boy Bob. Right. So, well, so that's an interesting thing, too, because because Clooney's character and Ving Rhames are about to get out of there. And. And Clooney is like, ah, I, you know, I've got to go back. Because basically Nancy Allen's about to get raped. Yeah. 
I mean, the, the, he, he's in the he's in the bed with her, Isaiah, uh, Washington. Isaiah Washington. Yeah. Um, it's 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 about to happen, and you know he goes he goes back. He's never killed anybody before. Nope, never fired a gun. Never fired a gun. So that scene, and then when, the way it begins, essentially that you know um, going back to basically clean up the mess. Uh, white boy Bob trips on the stairs. Yeah. Which he knows, like, and he know, for one, white boy Bob steals steaks. Yes, he still <laughs> he steals the steaks, and that that was something they brought up in the commentary too, because white boy Bob trips going up the first time. Yep, he's like, got to bring it back. You know, you you gotta you gotta set that up at the beginning and then bring it back at the end. Yeah, um, and and it's it's fantastic. The, just like the sequence of events of him having you know pointing the gun and coming up after him, and tripping on those fucking stairs and oh, blowing a hole out the back of his fucking head. I just remember being in the theater just the first time I saw it. And that's, that is, I mean, no matter how many times I've seen this film, that's a jaw-dropping moment. Yeah. It's it like just, the way that's executed and the way it looks, which that's, I mean, that's not easy to pull off, yeah. having something that looks that fucked up. And it's, I'm sorry, it's rather hilarious. It is funny, yes. Like... I, I remember distinctly being the only one laughing in the theater of five people. You're, well, yeah. I mean, if, if the thing is, if you know comedy, you're going to laugh at it. But then also you're like, oh, that is fucked up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like oh, shit. There, there, there are two parts in the... Two, there are two moments I remember laughing out loud in the theater probably when I shouldn't have. As uh, watching out of sight mm-hmm. and, uh, at that moment. And also watching Ridley Scott's Hamble. Uh, when Ray Liotta eats his own brain and thinking that is the funniest shit I have ever seen. Yeah. And, and I laughing loud in a sold out theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I would have, I would have been right there with you laughing. But. Yeah. Yeah. My girlfriend at the time wasn't, wasn't <laughs> <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we broke up. So I mean, it all worked out. That's th- th- those, th- those situations. It's the way they're shot and all of that. It's done. I mean, it's an it's a horrible event, but it's comical. Yeah. So it's dark, but it's it's great. Yeah. It's gallows humor. Yeah. Sure. Sort of. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, so he goes back, and then he he he, he essentially saves Nancy Allen from being raped, and um, and then gets gets taken in by by Jennifer Lopez. Yep. And she. But she essentially sets him up with Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. Who you know is gonna, you know, he's gonna get to escape again. Well, and so I did some more research. So mm. Jack Foley comes back in another book. Actually, the title slips my mind right now, but at the beginning when the book starts, he's still in jail. Oh, really? Yeah. Spoiler. But escape is afoot. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. So, so that's uh, that's out of sight. I mean, it's it's, it's interesting. It is. You know, last week we talked about get shorty for a really long time this conversation i feel kind of sped by a little bit and we might have left some stuff out but it's the well i think i need to mention the soundtrack too because as as soon as i saw the movie yeah bought the sound like it's a great score well it's it's what gives it that 70s vibe too well dave holmes the guy the guy who wrote the score Mm -hmm. um like Soberg's used like either Holmes or Cliff Martinez, the former drummer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, mm-hmm. um, and both are great. Um, Holmes was like really into like the New York 
um, DJ scene for a while. Hmm. Um, he's actually um, mentioned features pretty prominently in the beginning of Meet Me in the Bathroom, which is New York between oh one and eleven. But right, he's the, sort of like the a, alt scene. Yeah, the, the alt the, scene. The, the alternate so he kind of played like a big part in like the James, you know, and hang out with James Murphy and stuff. Mm-hmm. And just the vibe that he sends, like it's great. Plus the Isley brothers feature prominently. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't even mention like how stacked this cast is too, with even Catherine Keener. Oh yeah. Catherine Keener, who's just one of the, she's the fucking greatest. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it, it's, it's, she, she's playing a character in this that could be dropped right into married to the mob. Yeah. I mean that, that style of kind of like, you know, the, the hot pants and the, mm-hmm. um, or not hot pants, but you know, like the, the leggings or whatever that yeah. she's wearing and the, the colors that she wears and the, mm-hmm. the way her, her hair is styled and all that kind of thing. And Luis Guzman. Luis, oh. Fake legs. Fake, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that scene was apparently originally going to be very different as well. Yeah. Uh, that, that scene where, where, uh, Luis Guzman gets taken down. Um, he was fake legs. <laughs> oh, and apparently, and I'm again, I'm sure you know this, Mr. Commentary, mm-hmm. but um, when Don Cheadle, the scene before Don Cheadle and George Clooney race for the gun, mm-hmm. and he says, This is normally a time when a you know, a motherfucker, you know, might, you know, something, something, something. Uh, he improvised that, yeah. Uh, Frank said he improvised that. I'm like, God, Cheadle, so good. Yeah, Cheadle's fantastic. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys where whatever the film, he's he's usually one of the coolest people in it. Yeah, even if he's just in like a, a you know a, a tiny role. Yeah, like when Kristen came in, Kristen came in. I think when. Zahn was making his escape mm-hmm. uh, from the from the state theater and runs into J-Lo in the car that he's about to steal again. Right. <laughs> um, and she's like looking, like looking at the cast. And I'm like, holy shit, this cast is stacked. And I'm like, yeah. like, And she didn't even see that Catherine Keener was in this movie, that Luis Guzman's in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like all these people are in this movie. Plus, you know, half the cast is Gazopolis. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Which everybody has, of course, seen. I mean, you and I have seen it. <laughs> That's all that matters. Uh, but yeah, Keener is fucking great in it. The uh, the um, I'm trying to think. They they talked about who the other person they were thinking of for the the like the the FBI had the head of the task force. Well, Keener was supposed to audition for J Lo. Oh, really? That would have been an interesting thing. And Bullock was originally cast. Oh, wow. Uh, J Lo's actually like really good for this though. I ca- I can't think oh. of anybody else pulling it off the way she does. No, she really. I mean, I, say what you want about every choice she's acting or musical choice she's made since then. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love her. Yeah, I love her in this movie, and she is a damn fine actress. Yeah, no, she's really she's really good in this. Uh, but yeah, and what else do what, what else might might we have missed in this film? I love I love the elevator shot. Apparently, the <laughs> elevator shot was going to be longer as well. They were going to hold on on Clooney waving for longer. Uh-huh. Um, and but yeah, the 
that well and the you know the whole sequence of that with the old lady who can't hear um <laughs> yeah uh the guy who gets in um what did he say like i thought this was going up or something like that yeah um and their whole thing like like even the talk about the battering ram and the um and the the metal door and you know all that it's every little thing that's 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 the thing about soderbergh and what makes him so such a, a a joy to watch his films is that he is so meticulous about things every little thing matters there's not nothing is thrown away there Mm -hmm. you know it's it or there are no throwaways in there everything every piece of the film serves some purpose yep the thing that and kristen asked me last night she's like oh what do you like about jayla so much in this movie like like her character is amazing yeah and you realize that of the cops, mm-hmm. she's the smartest person among the cops. Oh, absolutely. And of Clooney, Clooney's the smartest person of the robbers. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, like, it's just, and she just has to go through like that. And because she's a female, a trained female. Yeah. Like who's proved her worth over and over again, that she still has to go through this shit. Well, I mean, it's it's even there in the conversation between her and Clooney in the sex scene or post sex scene. Yeah, um, where they're where essentially, like she is still feeling like she needs to prove that you know she's like, well, I'm not sleeping with you because you're just you know because it's the fantasy of the dangerous guy or whatever like that, and then Clooney being like, do I look stupid? Because if I were if I thought that's what this was, I would be stupid. Yeah, <laughs> to do it, you know. Yeah. Um, I that that scene is mm-hmm. just amazing. Yeah, I love that scene, and I love like they had they have that conversation. He leaves and leaves the sig. Yeah, <laughs> like right there in the pillow. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, the which ends up being the <laughs> their interactions are are fantastic in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the phone call that they have where he's going through her purse and and smelling the perfume and. Like, and she's on the phone out, you know, out by the pool <laughs> while Farina and Keaton are in the, the, the task force. To yeah. Catch him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and, and, and having that conversation. And, and again, going back to that conversation with between Farina and Keaton as Keaton's like doing the little slices of the apple and, and eating it as he's. <laughs> no. Oh, man. It's just, it's, it's, it's an incredible film. Uh, I just. There's too many good things to say about, it. and yeah, we did kind of let fly by, uh, but I I can't. But we got to uh, leave time to talk about. We got to leave time to, to put all of these films in context because it ends up being kind of a wild ride. I was, you know, looking at these films. There were some unknowns to me because I had, um, I don't think I had, I hadn't seen Malice for a long time, uh, and of course it's been it, it had been colored over the years by just the that iconic scene. That everybody knows, yeah. Uh, and I had not ever seen Heaven's Prisoners, um, <laughs> and, and now I wish I hadn't. But uh, you know, so there there were some unknowns in there. But I've I've always been fond of of, of Dead Again. Yeah. Um, it was nice to go back and rewatch Little Man Tate. I still enjoyed it. Yep. Uh, so, but let's you know let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about our our feelings on on Frank overall, and then let's rate the films. Well, um, it's funny. Is again, this is the movie that launches Frank into distress for too, because the next movie he writes is Minority Report. Yeah, 
which uh, you don't get any higher than Steven. You're working in Spielberg, yeah. Spielberg and Cruz. Yeah. Um, so this is... And, mo- it's, and it's a good film, too. <laughs> it's a damn fine movie. Yeah. Uh, very uh, Kubrickian inspired. Oh, yeah. Those two uh, just work, getting off their Kubrick projects and just kind of like... So we're, we're essentially saying that, I mean, Out of Sight launches... Launches Soderbergh, uh-huh. kind of launches Clooney, launches Frank. Yep. Um, I would argue it actually is is sort of what gets J Lo some other roles as well. I think J Lo was doing just fine. I think. Well, because what I mean, she's the one that I didn't really because I. This is definitely my favorite Jennifer Lopez film. I have not. Um, because like after this, J Lo becomes Jane from the Block. Right. And she was already well on her way because she was in like Anaconda. She was in Selena. She was going to be, she didn't need this movie. If anything, she was doing everyone a favor. I, I mean, and I don't know if she felt that way, but like you have to think about like her star was rising. And this is like a short little cool little detour. Like on her way to rom coms and uh, superstardom, and yeah, I mean, we didn't really put this in context for her, but um, so her ninety seven is Blood and Wine, which is a fucking terrible movie. It's a waste of that cast. Oh, Absolutely. is that the one with? Uh, it's Jack Nicholson and Michael Caine. Yeah, and then who's Raffleson? It's Bob Raffleson's last movie, isn't it? Uh, I, I, I didn't even check to see who the, who the director of it was because of how awful it was. It's, I think it's, Bob it's it is Bob Raffleson. Yeah, you're right. Um, it's just, it's such a waste. There's nothing Nicholson and Kane can do to save it. Um, and so it just ends up being, uh, the, the, it ends up being them like seriously chewing the scenery every time they're just like fucking masticating that shit almost well, like outdoing <sighs> hamming it up through the entire well you have to think that like if it wasn't for bob raffleson nicholson wouldn't have a career so i'm sure nicholson was doing raffleson the favorite. sure but yeah terrible terrible film or raffleson um and lopez is bad in it uh then she, she's got selena yeah anaconda which is not a good movie dude if you take it i'm sorry anaconda if you take it as a b movie, movie it's not good. Look at who's in that movie. Look at who's in that movie. Look who's look who slummed it. I you got John Voight who was already well on his way of slump becoming. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, but you got Owen his, Wilson. His his like shoe polish hair and and accent in that film are just fucking atrocious. But you got Owen Wilson. Yeah. You got Ice T. No, yeah. No Ice Cube. Ice well Ice Cube uh, yeah. isn't. Uh, uh, What's his name? Um, Eric. Uh, he was going to be... All I can think of right now is that he was going to be Marty McFly. Oh, Eric. Yes, Eric, Eric Stoltz, Stoltz is Eric in Stoltz it. is in it, yeah. Yep. Eric Stoltz and J-Lo. And the dude from Jumanji who... Yeah. The hunter and then John Voight. And I think some cool redhead. I I'm, I I just I, I think it's a terrible film. Even even as a if you look at it as a as a bad film, it's not a good bad film. I think it's 
a quality motion picture. I think it only got worse because it had Hasselhoff on the sequels. Okay. Well. Anyway. But anyway, that movie was a hit, so. U-Turn rounds out 97. Damn, that's a good movie. I love U-Turn, actually. I, I will stand for that film. I think U-Turn is a, is a, is a really solid, you know, beginning, later period, um, uh, Oliver Stone. Yeah. No, it's really good. I think Penn's great, and it's is, a good noir. U-Turn is, is uh, I got to see now, is that a McCarthy it's a it's a John Ridley script. John, oh, John Ridley. Oh man, man. At some point, we should do John Ridley films. Oh, dude, I would. Uh... Because oh, and you know what? The book he wrote, he adapted his own book. Stray Dogs is is a really good book. I um, love John Ridley so much, dude. Yeah, he is we one might smart cat. He he really is. I we we brought up Three Kings earlier. Three Kings, fucking amazing. Yep. Um, all right. After I don't know, it'll be your turn, but I I might vote for doing John Ridley after our next person. I would I would go down that road with you. Okay. Well, we'll we'll put it in our back pocket. That might be the way to go. But we have somebody chosen for next. Yeah, yeah. Talk yep. about. We'll talk about it in a second. Yeah, yeah. So then she does Out of Sight and Ants. Um, that's her ninety eight, and the next movie is The Cell. Yeah. Crazy ass film, crazy ass performance from uh, D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio, yeah, and Vince Vaughn for that matter. Yeah, yeah. So, anyhow, I, I mean, that's it's kind of her peak because then you've got Wedding Planner, Angel Eyes, Enough, Made in Manhattan, Geely, Jersey Girl, um, Shall We Dance, Monster in Law. <laughs> Again, like rom coms. Yeah, and she's focusing her move, like her music career took off big after this, right? Well, and what Gigli and Jersey Girl are both Ben Affleck, right? Yep, that's like the Benefer peak. That was a well, it's it's at the peak now. My Is friend. it now? It's peak Benefer. It's it's peak Benefer. It's 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 the early two thousands all over again. It's great. <laughs> I'm so happy for those two. <laughs> I really am. Those two deserve to be happy. <laughs> I mean, sure, whatever. Good for them. I don't care. I, I um, mean, <laughs> I mean, everyone deserves like. Starving Troll in China deserve to be happy too, but uh, as far as celebrities go, who are you talking about? Starving children in China. Oh, starving children in China. I'm yes. playing in perspective. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyhow, so that's an interesting, interesting run. But and I forgot she was in Jack. That was before. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. The uh, the movie where she's like the she's like the preschool teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. That what an odd, odd film. That looks so good. It had to be. You had to think that looks so good on paper, though. That it's it's Francis Ford Coppola directed. It's Robin Williams playing a, a kid, like a rapidly aging character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's what? Like a, a forty-year-old, four-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, you have to think like. Well, for one, I, Coppola was in jail again because he did. Godfather three. Right. And so he had to come up with something. And I mean, Ryan Williams is going to do anything to make his kids happy. Right. But, so, yeah. But anyway, we're, we're talking about, it's just Frank talk, but yeah. Jack. So, yeah. so let's, let's, I guess let's just do the rankings. I mean, it's, we're both agreed. This is his, it's, it's probably his best script to date. Even as good as, as get shorty was this one ups it. Yeah. Um, it turns it up to 11. Yeah. 
And I, th- I think that he was a great pairing with Soderbergh. It would be interesting to see them try to work together again. I would love that. I think he, I think, uh, but I think the focus for Frank now is just TV. Because that seems to be where he's really excelled and found his. I, I I should I guess I should I'm trying to drop Netflix, but it keeps pulling me back in because now I'm watching the Peaky Blinders. I'm watching. Um, I, I think it's just Peaky Blinders, not the. But um, I still I need to watch the the end of uh, Ozark and uh, Queen's Gambit. I haven't seen so. Yeah, well, keep in mind that if there's ever, I think if you really want to dump Netflix. Mm-hmm. I think half of this shit's like you can purchase in some fashion. Gotcha. I'll have to just keep to that in mind. That I'll keep that in my back pocket. Um, but yeah, all right. So let's let's do the ranking. You go first. Oh, number six. Numbers? No, no number. Uh, uh, we'll we'll start with number one. Let's. let's oh, do... number one's out of sight, dude. Okay. Yeah. Number two, get shorty. Yeah. Number three, die again. Number four, Little Man Tate. Number five, Malice. Number six, Heaven's Prisoners. Okay. Um, I, I don't think I disagree. My, in my number Number one, seven, Plain Clothes. <laughs> which, we, which obviously we didn't cover. We didn't, yeah. Which we didn't cover. Um, the I mean, my heart, the Howard classic that we. My heart wants to put Dead Again a little higher because of how fond of that film I am, but it's undeniable. It's out of sight is number one. I think Get Shorty is just this this exercise in. Get Shorty is a great little. I mean, it's. I think it's it's one of Sonnenfeld's best. It, it might be my favorite by, Sonnenfeld by a, by a mile. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I, I don't think I disagree. I think it's out of sight is number one. Get Shorty is number two. Dead Again is number three. Little Man Tate, four. Mm-hmm. Malice, five. And Heaven's Prisoners, like a, a six. I wish I could put Heaven's Prisoners even lower down. Yeah. It, it'll go from, uh, from like, Malice is number five. 1,999 is, uh, is Heaven's Prisoners. <laughs> yeah. Like, there are no other films, that, you know, to consider in what we watched there. Yeah. But, uh, it's bad. It's yeah. really bad. And I didn't realize he wrote Logan. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still, I, I haven't rewatched it for a while, but I still liked Logan. I thought it was an interesting way to go. It was for really that good, to be dude. to be Jackman's last hurrahs as Wolverine. All right. Well, so that wraps up Frank. That's that's the end it's of Frank, Frank talk. talk. I mean, do you feel like? I mean, you haven't seen Queen's Gambit, but like, it, like Glow Man Tate obviously lays the groundwork for that. Sure. And, uh, well, I mean, the rest of his, the rest of his films post out of sight, they still end up being kind of hit or miss. He goes on another strong note with Minority Report. Yeah. And then he's got Flight of the Phoenix, which was that the, was that Dennis the Quaid? Remake. Yeah. Um, the interpreter, which is potentially the worst, if not one of the worst, Sidney Pollock films. Yeah, uh, I, I'll give I, you that, but I don't. I don't recall hating it. I. It's just I. I felt that it was a waste. It was kind of a nothing of a film. I don't think it was great. It, you know, considering the fact that it was what it was Nicole Kidman and Sean Penn. Yeah, I both of whom both of them are actors I love, and I. I 
it was just kind of a it's it's not a great turn from. I Sydney mean, it should Pollock. have been better, but it wasn't yeah. bad. Um, Sydney Pollock's career is interesting to look at because at some point it just does not ever get any better. Um, he he like His does high several note. stinkers in a row. I mean, by the time he does Sabrina, it's over pretty much. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying. That's that's the face of you know what I'm saying. No, it's not. I like Sabrina. You like? Wait, what? Yeah, dude, stop the podcast. Because <laughs> how how can you say you like Sabrina? Well, for one, I hadn't, but I I hadn't uh, seen the Billy Wilder original at the time when I first saw it. Okay, but uh, there's absolutely no comparison. The fact that he chose to remake that film and it's as terrible as it is, there's like. I'm sorry, you keep saying it's terrible. I well, Okay, because how can you... I mean, I love Harrison Ford. Don't get me wrong. He's one of my all-time favorite actors. But, I mean, the fact that he's playing the Humphrey Bogart film, there's no charisma coming off that guy. Well, that's the point. He's not supposed to have charisma. But even Humphrey Bogart was still cool. Yes. Again, there, like, was, there was something have, about Humphrey Bogart. I, I and, agree that... Okay, you'll get no argument from me. And Greg that, Kinnear and William Holden? Come on. There's no comparison there either. Holden just fucking wipes his ass with Kinnear. Um, and, and then Julia Ormond and Audrey Hepburn. Dude, this isn't fucking celebrity deathmatch. Well, <laughs> no, but I mean, if you're going to remake an iconic film like that, and it was iconic, I had seen that film many times as a kid. And I had. Those performances are, are just, I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's fucking incredible. I, um, I hadn't seen it. I still like it. Mm-hmm. Do, I think that the, do I think it's better than the Billy Wilder version? Mm-hmm. Hell no. Okay. But I just will, I will, for I, what it is, I don't like. I liked it. Okay, you're wrong. It's a terrible. Film. I'm kidding. You're entitled to your opinion. I, 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 I just said I liked I, it. I like some questionable films that people have thought were were bad. Um, you know, I, for instance, like that uh, um, that new Sean Penn movie, Flag Day, that everybody hated. <laughs> oh, hey, I, all I says I liked it. Okay, okay. I think Kinnear is funny in it. I think, I mean, it's definitely not the greatest Harrison Ford performance. I like, um, plays the mom. Uh, the person who plays the mom, uh, she's the mom in Sopranos. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. uh, Uh, Nancy Nancy Marchand. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's funny as hell. And I don't know. I just, I just, I don't feel like there's anything redeeming about that movie. Um, but uh, but I mean it's, so but let's let's uh, we're talking the, about Frank talk. Well, we are, but we'll, and we'll get back to it. It's just it's Pollock's basically. So after the firm, right? Right. Which after is the great. firm, which is I agree, great film. Um, you know, I mean, so much, so much Tom Cruise running in that. <laughs> so much. So much. Uh, you've got Sabrina, Random Hearts, The Interpreter. Sketches of Frank Gehry, which I've I've never seen, and then his last film after a thirteen year break is um, is Amazing Grace, which I also haven't seen. That's an Aretha Franklin. Oh, the documentary. Documentary, yeah. He directed that. He did. 
Oh, shit. Well, it says, so when you go to the Wikipedia entry for Amazing Grace, it's um, Alan Elliott realized by Sidney Pollack uncredited. Okay. Yeah, he must have... I mean, the, but the fact that... I, I bet he had a, a pretty, you know, like, guiding yeah. hand in... Mm-hmm. I know mean, when you're high note, your swan song is a supporting role in the greatest legal thriller. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. He did, he did turn in some great acting performances because Michael Clayton fucking fucks. Oh, it fucks hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If there's like, like it's triple X, like I'd give it a quadruple X. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's it's explicit as hell. Fucking. <laughs> yeah, it's hardcore. Yeah. Oh God, Tom. But I mean, think if it wasn't for if it wasn't for us, like we wouldn't have fucking Michael Clayton. Yeah. Oh. I mean, he I, he had some he had some interesting acting roles, but I, but but um. Going back to uh, Frank. Yes. I, I mean, I like Walk Amongst the Tombstones. I'll stand for that. I don't remember that film. I don't know that I've ever seen that one. It stars Darkman. Yeah, I know. I know it's a Liam Neeson joint. It's Liam Neeson uh, in the middle of his, uh, you know, basically. The lookout's pretty solid, be too. Taken. Yeah. The lookout's pretty solid, too. Uh, and I've, I've never seen that. Maybe I have oh. to. It's so. I have not seen. I know I've seen The Interpreter at some point because I remember not loving it. I think yep. it's just another mess. I remember going on a date with a girl to see that movie. And I, that I kind of recall Flight of the Phoenix, but not not very much. I didn't realize he had written the the, the adaptation of Marley and Me. I mean, people got to get paid, dude. Yeah. But then The Lookout, and also haven't seen uh, the, the Wolverine. Um, I remember liking pretty well. Yeah. Um, and then of course, and then Logan's the last film that he's he's written. Yeah. Beyond that, and then um, you've got your Godless and your yeah, Godless and the Queen's Gambit. Mm-hmm. And one thing I should have added, we should add too, as we're wrapping this up, like so. Leonard Elmore Leonard wrote out of sight because he was inspired by um, a picture in the paper of a feral marshal. Which is kind of used in, which is sort of a scene out of, out of sight mm-hmm. when like he saw a picture like that and he was inspired to write about Karen Sisko and um and again like J Lo just gets it like just knocks it out of the park and the character is so strong that they've made like they made like a spinoff mm-hmm. with uh, Karen Sisko. Yeah, with, uh, with Carla Gugino as Cisco. Yeah, which I mean, just I can't imagine. Can you imagine Sandra Bullock? No. Or Catherine Keener? No. Like being both of whom I like just fine. Yeah, who I like, and I, I, well, I mean, in, in the case of Catherine Keener, wow, <laughs> easy time. <clears throat> no, hang on, just a second. That was that was a bad that was a bad roar. That was that was a. There but I go. mean, that like, was a good solid Conan roar. Yeah, but Lopez is just tough, especially the scene where they tussle. And yeah, her and Isaiah is Isaiah Washington. Yeah, which Viola Davis, by the way. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, and they they specifically call her out. Uh, Soderbergh is like, that's Viola Davis. She's a great actress, and that, I mean that was at a time you know before she did many amazing things. After that, yep. yeah, yeah. Oh. 
I, I guess she's getting shit for playing Michelle Obama in a Showtime show. I've heard that show is not great. And it's interesting because they get, it's what? It's Gillian Anderson, uh, Viola Davis, and Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Um, and I guess people have not liked Viola D- Davis's mm. thing. I'm like, it seems like people are not liking that show in you, general, like, but I, I don't I don't know anything about it. Like you you give pay respect to a queen, damn it. That's mm. that's Viola Davis. <laughs> that's yeah. the girl who that's the woman who snot cried her way to a, an Oscar in fences. Yeah. She's the one who taught me how to get away with murder. <laughs> like yeah. you the woman's a queen. Anyway, I just that cast is stacked. It's just amazing. I guess and that's to put a pin on it, like, I just, Scott Frank is still just. I mean, this, I, there are some good things that he's done along the way, but I think that this might be the best thing he ever wrote. I mean, really. And as far as how it was realized, it might be the best realized thing, yeah. at least film wise. Because um, I, I can't speak to the Queen's Gambit, I, I, you know, and I can't speak to the uh, Godless. I haven't seen that. Um, I haven't seen Godless, but I, I can speak to the high quality of Queen's Gambit. Um, there's, when, when you see it though, there's a part that's mildly questionable, but, um, but I can't, it's not gonna, it's, it'll ruin it for you. So I'm just, okay. But I think that movie's just, that show's great. And, um, it made me fall in love with chess again. And I mean, (laughs) no, it didn't. (laughs) It's, it's the show that made me fall in love with chess again. And Logan's just so good logan is logan is fantastic but i even as much as i like that movie i i still think that this is probably his his best i mean yeah. with who the partnership with him and soderbergh and it sounds like they worked really closely together and you know it's i, I think it's just the best partnership that he had for as far as a as a, a director pairing goes. i think he might be right because i'm looking back like minority report comes yeah, but it, that's definitely a, a Spielberg joint. I'd be surprised how involved Frank got to be with that, with how Spielberg. Oh, was I don't films. think he. Yeah, and he said it was the hardest script to write because it's so technical. Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, it's based off of a Philip K. Dick thing. Yeah, I mean, that's that. I mean, uh, he he was notoriously a hard writer to read, as as lauded as he is as a science fiction writer. Oh God, I I, I once read Belize, mm-hmm. or I tried. Mm-hmm. I can't. I I never. Yeah, he was, I mean, the thing about Philip K. Dick is that he was definitely a better concept guy than he was an executor of it, because his, like, dialogue and shit is usually terrible. Well, his concept being LSD, because mm-hmm. that's pretty much probably what he wrote, mm. uh, how he wrote, because I kind of understand a look at what, like, right. Vully's just... Anything else you want to say about Frank? No, um, I just, um, if you're listening, Scott, um, huge fan. Uh, yes. Well, and and I think this is your best film. If you are listening, I think this is your best film. Though I will stand for a walk among the tombstones any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Not that, well, I mean, like we, like I said, there are some there are some great things along along the way since, but I think this is the best. This is peak. I need you need to watch a walk among the tombstones. Like okay, it's that shit's dark. I'll, I'll, in the best way. I'll check it out. I do like a Liam Neeson joint. I mean, usually I've, I've I've missed quite a few of them recently, and I will not go see memory. I have no desire to see that whatsoever. No. <laughs> Despite the presence of, uh, of, um, uh, what's her name? Shit. No, what's his name? 
Um, Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Yeah, who I like. I like Guy Pierce. But you know, Monica Bellucci's in that movie. I and well, I, I fucking love Monica Bellucci, but yeah. So it, it, despite that, their presence, I won't. Uh, I won't All right. Go. So let's talk about what we're doing next. All right. This was, and I, I feel like I have to qualify this. This was a call that I wanted to make even before the Marin interview just dropped. Um, I have been, we, we've been kind of dancing around this. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It absolutely is. Nope. We, we, it's we, okay. We brought it up on the last episode with the film Enough Said. Um, I've been sort of like um, uh, crushing on this this uh, uh, person I was introduced to on on uh, Blank Check, uh, the writer Fran Hoffner, who's been like watching and review- on reviewing this person's films. It's, it's, um, it's Nicole Holop Center. Um, and I, I have never seen any of her films. Um, so I thought this was a, a good opportunity to, to, to dive into it. Um, and also a good mix of what I wanted to avoid, which was going and following a director's filmography, because uh, we're going to follow actually everything that she's written. So that's starting with 1996's Walking and Talking and finishing with The Last Duel. Nice. So it's a, it's a span that, that covers essentially, what, roughly 25 years, 26 years? Um, no, 25 years. So we've got Walking and Talking, Lovely and Amazing, Friends with Money, Please Give, Enough Said, all of which she wrote and directed, and then Every Secret Thing, which I, is not one she directed, she just wrote, that was one that's a thriller with Diane Lane, um, The Land of Steady Habits, which I'm looking forward to because it features Ben Mendelsohn, who I love, uh, I think is an amazing actor, uh, Can You Forgive Me, which she was supposed to direct but did not. Uh, can you ever forgive me? Rather, and the last duel, and then apparently the new movie that she talks about on on Marin that's going to have Julia, Julia Louis Dreyfus in it is called Beth and Dawn, and it's it's still a TBA, so I I don't think that's going to be out before we finish up uh, our run with her, but it's going to be something completely different. This is this is something that I'm very much getting into at this point, which is you know smaller human stories that yeah. it's it character studies well there's know. nothing like two white guys talking about a lady director and a very <laughs> director so i mean it's gonna go over real well i i'm, I'm sure yeah that's yeah that's that's true our, but, our audience of five to ten uh is just gonna eat i wanted a very different energy something that was not not the you know the, the very clearly testosterone heavy yeah. stuff that we've been doing for the last uh, couple of months so but, remind our five to ten listeners what movie we're going to discuss. All right. So it's, it's, um, uh, walking and talking, I think was what I said was the next. Okay. Um, let me just double check that real quick. Yep. Walking and talking 1996. It's, uh, it's Catherine Keener and H, uh, Lieb Schreiber. All right. Well, I like two of those actors. <laughs> Written and directed by Nicole Holof Center. I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be very different. Yeah. And we may or may not do John Ridley after that. I Maybe. I, we I both seemed I, excited about it, so maybe that's I, just what we should go yeah, with. Yeah. I, I, any, oppor- any opportunity to rewatch Undercover Brother is... <laughs> 
um, welcome. All right, let's do our review or our uh, recommendations, rather. Yeah, uh, you start because I always start. Uh, I, I, I'm just like rapid fire going to say if you get a chance to go see the Northmen and uh, the the uh, I always get the name wrong. I think it's the unbearable weight of massive talent. Um, That's correct. Uh, they were both very much worth seeing. Um, I, 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 I thought that it, it, it made me happy to be sitting in a theater watching them. Um, and, but my, my main recommendation and what I want to encourage people to go out and see before it leaves theaters, if it hasn't already is, uh, is a French film called, um, Anais in love. It's, uh, you know, it's getting a lot of comparisons to the worst person in the world, uh, which which I I get those comparisons, um, but and and I think sometimes it's just like you know how somehow there's just something in the water and we get a few films that explore a similar uh, you know variation on a theme, um, you know, several in a row. I I think that this film still um, well. My, my letterboxd review says this this film stands wholly and beautifully apart the dialogue is wonderfully poetic at moments the performances are fantastic and the look of the film itself is simply gorgeous um, it's the first it's it's the directorial debut of Charlene uh, Bujota I think is how you would pronounce that my French is, is very rusty and my pronunciation is not great but um, while she's listening she's offended <laughs> yeah but it's just a, it's a beautiful film, and it is. It's a it's a it's a sort of unusual. Well, I don't I don't know that I would say unusual, but it's a rarely explored relationship dynamic. Um, and I I just I enjoyed the hell out of it. I thought it was it was it's great to see, and it it seems to be unfortunately that you have to to go to to international film for it um, because unless it hits Netflix or some other streaming service, there's not a lot of American filmmakers doing these small, like relationship character exploration films, which is why it'll be nice to, to get into Nicole Holof center. Cause that seems to be her bread and butter. Yeah. Um, well, um, based on your recommendation as the only person who follows your, your lawyer box, mm-hmm. um, at least intently, uh, I, I looked it up to see, and it's, you can rent. I think you can rent it mm. uh, on your favorite streaming service. Um, well, that's good. I recommend if it's not in a theater near you, then 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 find a way to watch it because it's very much, very very enjoyable. It's very French. Um, <laughs> wow, a French film that's French. That's so French. Which reminds me, I I, I need to I need to watch uh, France, <laughs> which is uh, on. I think it's on Criterion right now. Oh, are you talking about the uh Lee Saido? Yeah, yeah. Um, the audacity just to call your your film, name your own film after the country. <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah, I mean It seems balls. like it's getting decent reviews and everything, so I, I need to see that. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's my main recommendation. It's a nice and love. Check it out. Okay. I'm gonna recommend music. Do well it. first, I mean I, I would be remiss if if you're not uh Watching Barry or Barry Call Saul, uh, I mean, get on that. But I mean, every white dude with the typewriter <laughs> uh, is doing that. So I, I 
guess I'll add to the chorus. But um, I discovered something, an album from 2011 um, that um, kind of hasn't made me feel something. It made me feel something that I haven't felt in a long time, like emotion while listening to music. Uh, it's the debut album of A Wing Victory for the Sullen, um, which is a duo um, who specialize in ambient music. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like very, a like a Brian Eno kind of. Vibe? That's exactly where I was going with that, my mm. friend. It's very, very Eno esque, um, and it's funny is that they've done scores, they've done like film scores for French movies uh since uh since their debut and i i just i haven't been able to stop listening to it and um i haven't gotten to the point where i'm like absolutely bawling on the couch yet or anything but i I just started listening to it i uh, um on apple music which is not a journal good place to discover anything uh that's what spotify is for i guess i i just couldn't stop listening. It's very, again, like it's very much like an Eno music for airports type of thing. Hmm. Interesting. Um, but it's, um, it's, it's the first thing I've listened to in a while that makes me, that made me go up to, you know, want to go to a record store and buy it. Uh, even though I can access it anytime I want on my phone. Hmm. So that's my, that's my recommendation is a wing victory for the solid debut album. And if you have kids, uh, just so you know, there are boobies, uh, drawn boobies uh, on <laughs> on the cover. Of the- on the cover, so you know. But um, I mean, it's in good taste. So, <laughs> all right, it's art. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. All right, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we'll check you next episode, starting with uh, walking and talking. And uh, hey, don't forget. Uh, Oh yeah, rate, review, and subscribe. I'm still gonna say subscribe, even though it's follow. I, it's yeah, su- subscribe still sounds better to me. And hey, donate because you get to listen to us talk um, more Hornby. Nick Hornby, yeah. Uh, what's be a couple of, of middle aged middle aged white guys talking about music, which there's not enough of out there. Not you know, we really fill a niche that is. It's been filled. It's, it's what the what the yeah. It's 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 what pop culture needs right now. Um, there because it's it's you know it's it's so clearly you know heavily diverse, and there just are not enough white people talking about things, specifically you know, white men. I listen to I listen to you know all these podcasts with uh, middle aged Ivy League educated guys <laughs> talking about Sam Raimi movies and Nicolas Cage movies, <laughs> and you know. I'm happy, you know, I'm happy to say that we fill the niche of people who aren't Ivy League educated. There we, yeah, exactly. There we go. We do, <laughs> between us, neither one is Ivy yeah. League educated. So. Yeah, we, we, we're barely college graduates. Uh, you know, I, well, I wouldn't say barely, um, but I, 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 I have... I mean, I, I'm a, I, I should say, I'm barely a college graduate, so, you know... I graduated magna cum laude, so... <laughs> well... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got, where'd you I got go? The, the tassel that pro- I, I went to ASU. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> number two party school. So hey, it's respected now. Yeah, so. All right, man. Well, okay. Thanks everybody for listening. Catch you later, Platypeeps. peeps.
Mental Platypus is a production of Hoot and Waddle, producing fine arts and culture podcasts and publishing works of experimental literature since 2016. To learn more about Hoot and Waddle, please visit hootandwaddle.com. To learn how you can help support and sustain Hoot and Waddle, please visit patreon.com forward slash hootandwaddle.com.